0: Everybody, this is Frank Fear, and you're listening to Under the Radar. Today I'm going to continue a theme I started a few weeks ago. Uh, I wrote an article and then recorded a podcast that looked at the comparisons between, at least one comparison, between the physical biological world and the human social world. And I use the concept of pre-existing conditions to do that. We've heard a lot, obviously, about pre-existing conditions in terms of people who have underlying conditions such as diabetes or um, they're overweight, et cetera, heart disease, in terms of being inclined uh, to uh, be infected with the virus. And I compare that to social conditions which also pre-exist. And I talked uh, and wrote about uh, limited resource communities and communities with a high percentage of people of color uh, and how those locations are inclined toward higher rates of of, uh, the COVID-19. So I'm gonna continue that today by talking about the two pandemics, at least as I see it, that America, and I would go so far as to say the world, is experiencing today. One epidemic or pandemic is bad. We know that. It's COVID-19. Using the word pandemic in context of something like COVID-19, has a very negative connotation because we ascribe to it illness and death. But there's also a positive form of epidemic, pandemic, on the social side, and that is when people organize and seek social change. We often don't refer to it as epidemics and pandemics, We tend to refer to it as social movements. And if there's anybody who's written about this subject matter that has influenced my thinking, it's the public intellectual Malcolm Gladwell because he very specifically uses the concept of epidemic to talk about social movements and social change. You may be familiar with his famous 2000 book, a book written in 2000 called The Tipping Point, where he applied what I just described uh, to uh, issues, a variety of social issues. Let me share with you a quote that I think speaks loudly in terms of Gladwell's perspective. And I quote, "'Look at the world around you. It may seem like an immovable, implacable place, but it's not. With the slightest push in just the right place, it can be tipped. What Gladwell is talking about is significant social change. It's the very kind of change that Margaret Mead talked about decades earlier when she offered what is now an incredibly uh, frequently repeated quote, and let me speak it to you now. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world, Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So what I'd like to talk about today is that overlap between the biological-physical world and the social world, because pandemics and epidemics in the biological-physical world are spread through person-to-person contact. And so, too, are social movements that are epidemic and pandemic-like, On the social side. If social change is to occur, you'll find a whole bunch of people rallying and organizing in different places. All of these disparate efforts, typically unconnected formally, they all push in the same direction and you get change. What I find really fascinating about the dynamic I've just described people rallying, organizing for change, disparate efforts, often unconnected formally, not structured much, but pushing in the same direction, flies in the face of what most of us are taught and what we've learned about how to organize and administer change efforts. I'm talking about what happens in business and other organizational settings. Think about it, somebody's in charge, who leads and provides direction. There are plans and objectives, goals and roles and responsibilities, and reporting lines. There are charts, performance data, tracking metrics. There are presidents, CEOs, boards, and staff. There are office doors with names and titles. You can go to a building where all of this is happening. It's all quite organized and structured. We tend to like that approach because as human beings, it offers us continuous control over a process with the prospect of mastering the future. But social epidemics, pandemics, also known as social movements, are different. They're about ideas, passion, often outrage, determination, and persistence. And they can never be led by just one person one organization. Like tornadoes, they seem to come out of nowhere, and they pick up steam quickly. No single person is in charge, no single directive is given, and it's not possible to predict when or where the ball will start rolling, or even how far it will roll. And in the organizational and political worlds, where a recognizable face and name gets in the news time and time again, it's not unusual for previously unrecognizable people, often young and fresh faces, to emerge in social movements. While organizational change efforts are grounded in systematic, planful, and structured approaches, the social change world is often shrouded in mystery. For example, why did George Floyd's death become the trigger for what we're experiencing in America today. He certainly wasn't the first young black man to die at police hands. And why did Minneapolis erupt as it did? There have been other police-linked black deaths in Minneapolis, including at least one that went viral. Remember Philandro Castile? And while we believe this time will yield significant social change, Keep in mind that other eye popping efforts weren't change generating affairs. An example is Occupy Wall Street. Today, America is experiencing a social epidemic, a pandemic, if you will, of awareness, social consciousness, and the desire for change. And that observation brings me back to Gladwell and his work. For me, it all started when I read. His now famous 1996 New Yorker article where Gladwell used an epidemic model to explain why the New York City crime rate had fallen. It wasn't because the mayor or the police chief did this or that or because there was a citywide committee of, of a variety of representatives that had formed about lowering the crime rate and having that as its goal. Gladwell found that a number of people, a number of groups, mostly working independently, simply got fed up with crime in the city. And so a disparate but collective effort made the difference why they all pushed in the same direction. Gladwell expanded that frame of reference in the book that I previously cited, cited The Tipping Point, published in 2000. For one thing, Gladwell wrote about what he called the law of context. That includes, among other things, the mental state of a population. When you think about it, there's nothing that people are learning today about the state of Black America that is inherently new. It may be new to them, but it's not new at all. It's just that many more people are open to hearing about the plight of black Americans and furthermore, evaluating it as unacceptable. In other words, today, the context is set. Gladwell also talks about what he calls the stickiness factor. What does that mean? Many Americans are not doing today what we almost always do That is, we experience something, we hear something, we view an episode on TV, but we go on with our lives without much further ado. This time, it's different. Many Americans are concluding, we need to do something. And furthermore, many of those people are saying, I need to do something. Finally, different people Including seasoned activists and others who are not, are playing critical movement-accelerating roles. And Gladwell gay gives these people names, titles, and there are three of them. First are the mavens; those are the informational ga- information gatherers, the grievance de- detectives, so to speak, that do the data collection, and provide all the information and data about the severity of a situation. The second group is what Gladwell calls salespeople. Those are the people who propagate news and views, a lot of which the mavens have collected, about what's going on and what people can do about it. And thirdly, there's a very important group Gladwell calls the connectors. The connectors do just that. They connect people locally and beyond, including their friends and family members, often using social media like Facebook. I'll bet that you are playing one of those roles today, or at the very least, you know family and friends who are doing what I just described. They're either mavens, they're salespeople, or they're connectors. All of what I've just described from gladwell's work is about social networking but it's not just the kind we know well that is networking with people that we interact with frequently that form of social networking is called deep ties it's important but it's not the only kind of networking there's another kind very important kind that was written by written about by nick Brant many decades ago, in 1973, to be specific, he referred to it as weak ties. That is, the connections that occur between people who do not know each other well and do not interact frequently. They may have been strangers before a movement started. To spread, really spread, a social movement, it requires weak ties. And what about other things, the things I talked about earlier, from organizations, things like authority and title and chain of command and power? None of that is front and center, at least not now, not at this stage of the movement. But make no mistake about it, it will come into place soon. And when organizations around the country face what I call their we're in decision. In other words, will they join the movement? Not as individuals, not as private citizens, but as organizations and institutions. And if they make that we're in decision, will they really mean it? Well, at that point, another truism of epidemics, pandemics, social movements, whatever you want to call it, will come into play, and it's this. Don't ever expect everybody who's in to be in for the same reason. More specifically, true believers who are in because they have deep conviction won't be the only reason that people, especially organizations and institutions, will join in. We need to accept a fact of human life. And that is, to get to the tipping point, some people will be motivated primarily, if not exclusively, by self-interest. In other words, it's better to be in than to be out. What you know to be true, and what I've learned, is this. Transplanting values is an ill-fated operation. You can't transplant your values on another people or onto another organization. But rather than fret about that now, let's celebrate the glorious social up ep- epidemic, I think it's a pandemic, that's afoot in America and across the globe. Yes, it comes at a time of another pandemic, the awful kind, COVID-19, but the social kind that i talked about today, is one that took a very long time coming. It's here, thankfully, and it gives hope. And it's here, and it's now, and it's today, because Americans, everyday Americans, are making it so. If this goes as many of us hope, perhaps, just perhaps, those words, all men are created equal, expanding the word men to people, that all people are created equal, just might come true. Thanks for listening. This is Frank Fear. You've been listening to Under the Radar. And as always, I hope our paths will cross again very, very soon.